In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Men, are you struggling right now with physical issues? Are you battling chronic pain? Is there an addiction that just won't seem to go away? If, if that is true for you on any of, of those accounts, it is possible you are walking in bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. And all of the things unforgiveness will bring to torment you as a man. Today, we dove deep into the topic of forgiveness its effects on your mind, body, soul, and spirit, and how you can walk through seven critical protocols to bring you to a point of freedom. This is one of my favorite interviews out of all 560 interviews we've had. Guys, you are gonna love today's episode. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host of Spotify's number one Christian podcast for men and your guide to becoming your best version in the stress bubble of life and beyond. So, guys, before we get into our uh, podcast interview today, we want to hit up hit you up with a man law. So these man laws are mostly supplied by you. So here's a man law for you. I think you're going to get a kick out of this one. I actually discovered this about 15 years ago uh, when I was out hunting with a buddy who'd never hunted before and he went out into the woods and he came back and he said, that was the first time I've ever gone to the bathroom in the woods. So here's today's man law. Every man must squat in the woods without toilet paper, at least once in his life. If you don't do that, your whole life is a man law violation. So you need to get out in the woods, city guys, city guys, go on a hike and you just go leaves, leaves or sticks leaves grass it reminds me of a joke two guys were out hunting one guy had never squatted in the woods he went out to squat in the woods and he yelled out to his buddy hey i i, I don't have any toilet paper and his buddy yelled back hey use a dollar so the guy said all right thanks thanks so he came back and the guy's hands were all just disgusting and he said man what happened to you what are you doing i told you to use a dollar he goes man all I had was three quarters, two dimes, and a nickel. <laughs> anyway, so uh, hopefully you aren't going to unsubscribe because of that man law there. But uh, there you go. Want to give you our hero story. Again, guys, we love the hero stories. They really show us that we're 
our ministry is impacting your life. And man, we want to put Jesus on display, but we're excited when we hear that God has used us to help you put Jesus on display in your life. And so this email came through a woman's name, but it was a man who sent it. So I'm assuming the husband sent an email through his wife's account. Last name is Kruger. Maybe your name is Freddie. I don't know. But here's what he says. He says, I really love listening to your podcast with Michelle Canfield. I have three daughters, and this really hit home for me. My girls are still young. The oldest is 11, and the youngest is five. But it taught me a lot about what to do now and what to do when they get older. While listening, I wrote on their mirrors. Dr. Canfield talks about writing notes on their mirrors to affirm them and love them. And I wrote on their mirrors, and it really touched them. My youngest said it made her cry and wants me to do it again. Thank you for all the tips and lessons that you've taught me through this podcast. Man, that's awesome. Hey, guys, if we use your man law and if we use your hero story on this episode or any other episodes, hit us up at info at org with your physical address so we can send you some swag. Thanks, guys, and keep them coming. Guys, thanks so much for making Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. That's because of you guys. So we thank you so much for that. Today, guys, I'm really excited today. We have Dr. Bruce Hebel on our show. Uh, he and his beautiful wife, Tony, married 42 years, wrote a book together. Let me tell you a little bit about his bio. Dr. Bruce, along with his wife, Tony, are co-authors of the book, Forgiving Forward, Unleashing the Forgiveness Revolution. And man, we need it. This is currently being translated into five languages. So together, they lead Forgiving Forward Ministries and the Forgiving Forward Freedom Center in Fayetteville, Georgia. They have created Forgiving Forward video series. I've been told there's one getting dropped this week, by the way, guys. And Regenerating Your Marriage series, which I'm really excited about. Bruce and Tony have led hundreds and thousands of people through the Forgiving Forward seminar, have helped thousands of people through forgiveness coaching, and have trained hundreds of people to be forgiveness coaches. Guys, they are the experts on this topic. Bruce, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, Jim, good to be here. Good to be here. Honored. I put a little pressure on you there, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just a little. We're good. Hey, We're man, good. I, I feel like man, we're good we're, to go. Well, Bruce Wilkinson said that we were the experts. Well, we were figuring we didn't know we were experts in our hometown, much less the world. But yeah. God has given us a platform, and we're we're and uh, a theology of forgiveness that is, uh, and it's very practical and is changing lives around the world. We're we're just honored. Wake up everyone, really, God, we're the ones you let do this. So it's, it's so important, man. I, when as soon as your book came to my office, I looked at it. I thought, I don't know who these guys are, but we're doing it. This is such a massive issue not only in marriages but even marriages that dissolve through divorce and that bitterness they hang on to or or work relationships or as you shared in your book people in ministry who have hurt you and you've got 30 years of pastoral ministry and then you launch this this uh, ministry here on forgiveness and i'm just really excited why don't you take a minute and give us your story about five minutes here and uh, give our guys some perspective about you well, yeah, great. Well, my story is uh, we never planned to do what we're doing. We This was not our goal. I was a pastor, raised in a pastor's home. I was uh, nine when I knew I was going into ministry, which is wow. a bit weird, but it's a bit weird, but it's the only story I have. And so if you're going to follow your dad's footsteps, you're going to watch your dad and learn from your dad. And if you're a dad whose son's following you, you want your son to stand on your shoulders and go to the next level. I, I want my son to do that. And that was a relationship my dad and I had. And so I, I began to watch my dad as a pastor. And I noticed something about him. He got hurt a lot mm. because sheep bite 
And they do. They sneak up behind you and bite you in places you do not want to be bit and they don't like to let go. And so I said, I'm going to learn from dad's mistakes. I'm not going to get blindsided like he was. Right. So I go to Bible college. I meet Tony. We get married. I go to cemetery seminary. It's a <laughs> fine line. And I, <laughs> and I get trained by some of the most significant people on the planet. One of the guys we were talking about earlier, you've had on the podcast three times was one of my personal mentors, Gene Getz. And yep, so yep. significant people pouring into us. Uh, and so we get trained well, and we go into our first ministry, and we get bit mm. hard. Mm-hmm. And then we get multiple times over multiple years in multiple locations, horrific things happen to us. We wow. were our, one of our children was molested by a church member. I was physically accosted in a in a in an elders meeting. Uh, we were saying you're everything you do is great, but we don't want you here. There, there's just a lot of and, and we're not perfect, but nothing really validated what happened to us. And so a lot of deep wounds. And then there was about a about a year in my ministry where a church we'd come into was kind of in dysfunction when we got there. God had used my leadership and teaching skills to bring some strength and health and growth in it. And But inside me for about a year, I'm a mess because mm. a scab from an old wound got knocked off by a current event. And we find that oftentimes the, the issue with forgiveness the presenting issue is not the real issue. It's a it's an earlier issue. And we'll talk more about that later, I think. Yeah. But I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my wife, my best friend. I didn't tell anybody because I'm a pastor. Yeah. Right. Pastors don't have problems. We fix problems. We foolishly convince ourselves. And so I just stuffed it. And finally, I'm in a crisis. And my uh, I'm meeting with a counselor who's become a really dear friend and James said, uh, you got a forgiveness issue and it's toward a particular man. And I said, no, 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 no. I forgave him. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And he said, "Eh, you got some issues. So why don't you and God get away for a while and you ask him what it is. And so I go away and, and, and in that, just me and God in a lake house that someone let me borrow, God mentions the same man's name and says, you haven't forgiven him. I said, sure. God, I wrote him a God. I wrote him a letter and told him so he goes, I read your letter. You didn't forgive. You've shamed him in it. Oh. And I said, but he did all of these things. And he goes, yeah, but how many people have you told about all the things that I've done in that circumstance? So how is it you blame him and praise me for the same event? And I had no answer. So I made the decision for me to forgive that man for the specific things he had done that wounded me and my family. And everything in my heart and my countenance shifted. I'm singing at the top of my life. I'm I'm just celebrating. I get, go home, share it with Tony, and she gets free. We gathered our kids together. We have a 11-hour day as a family dealing with old stuff. And we we forget they forgave the same guy and themselves and us and others and most transformational day of our family's life. Wow. Is that the January 06 incident? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what I was assuming. So I've got a question for you, Bruce. Uh, You said in your book, you said uh, forgiveness. Where is that? I have it here. Hold on. You said forgiveness is more of a decision than a process, right? In your book? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. It's a transaction. Okay. It's not a process. It's a transaction. I I agree with you hundred percent. You said that you forgave him, which sounds like a decision, but you really didn't. So where's the balance between forgiveness as a decision and forgiveness as a process? Because you had to go through the process after the decision. Well, yeah, I, w- I thought it was a process, but a process never gets you there. Oh, talk to me about that. 
Well, if you think it's a process, the, the idea of a concept of a process is that that I start on the journey here and I kind of keep moving along this pathway and eventually I'm going to be free. Uh-huh. Right. And so what we do with that is we're forgiving with our head, not with our heart. Oh, okay. And and the other thing is that we don't forgive the person per se. We forgive the wounds the person inflicted. Oh. That's a significant difference. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little more? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work to say I forgive my dad for what? Existing? He's created in the image of God. We're to honor all men. Yeah. Right. And Jesus never let the offense determine whether he would forgive because he loved people more than he hated their sin. And he hated their sin enough to separate the person from their sin so they could be restored to the father. So the person and their action, and I think the the big mistake the culture makes, and we as a church sometimes join them in this, is we identify people with their behavior. Yeah, for sure. All right. This is not what they are. It's what they do. So we forgive the wounds. It's a wound. It's a debt. So I'm forgiving the debt. So And, and, and the forgiving of a debt is a transaction. For instance, buying a house, is that a transaction or is it a process? Yeah. Well, at times, yeah. at times it feels like a process because there's some things you got to do to get to that point. But okay. But 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 transaction. I mean, uh, the purchase of a house happens when you meet in a closing attorney's office and you sign some papers and give them money and they sign some papers and they give you a deed. That at that point, the house is now yours. Up until that point, it isn't. Mm-hmm. So it's a transaction, and I think we're going to talk about the protocols later when we get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it is. It, if we can separate the person from the behavior, it makes it easier, and it's and again, it's a transaction because we're, we're we're resolving a wound which creates a debt, and that debt is has to be paid somehow. Wow, that's really good. I'm glad I asked you about that because I was a little bit confused uh, on that, and I think a lot of our guys are. So I appreciate you bringing that that out. So I'm going to tap into your Dallas Theological Seminary background. All right. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a theological question. So, you know, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus lays out a kind of prerequisites to prayer, and then he gives us the Lord's prayer. But after that, after that, the next verse down in Matthew six, 14 and 15, he hits us with this uh, kind of post prayer forgiveness uh, discourse, right? That if you're, you know, you know what I'm talking about here, if yeah, your brother yeah, doesn't absolutely. forgive you, or if you don't forgive your brother when he sins against you, your heavenly father won't forgive you. So I have an honest question about this because I've wrestled with this. Is this <laughs> is this a salvation issue or what does no. Jesus mean there? No, it, it's not. Uh, if you let me let's let's spin back into the Lord's prayer because that context sets it up for that. Absolutely. Right? Yep. What what's the one clause in that prayer with a condition attached to it? Forgive your brothers or forgive us our sins as we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But see, we would think it would be the opposite. If I were predicting Jesus was going to give us a condition to pray about forgiveness in a model prayer, it would be something, God, help me forgive others as you have forgiven me. But it's again, it's the opposite of that. Yeah. What Jesus is telling us to pray is, dear Heavenly Father, please use the standard I use in dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use in relating to me. Oh, man, that is so powerful. Can you say that again? Yeah, we're saying, God, please use the standard I use at dealing with the wound people who wound me as the standard you use to relate to me. Well, do we want God using anything we do as his standard, particularly how we deal with wounds? 
<laughs> and so I don't think it's coincidental that the next thing he says, it's the only condition that has a, uh, he gives immediate commentary to. Absolutely. So when he says, when you're, if you forgive men, their trespasses, your father will forgive you. If you don't, he won't. Again, we're not talking about eternal security. That's a whole different subject. A whole a long theological established position that we are redeemed and our forgiveness is bought by Jesus on the cross. So it can't mean that. But what he is saying is this, the way God relates to us while we're walking around on the planet is impacted by how we forgive others. And and there's a reason for that. But I want to get to another point before I get to the reason. Okay. Okay. Do you want to get to your point now or do you want me to ask another question? It's up to you. You're the lead. <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and hit me up with your point. All right, because because multiple times throughout the gospel, Jesus says something very similar, right? In fact, Mark he says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have something against someone, in other words, if you have not forgiven, then I don't even want to talk to you. It impacts our prayer life. Yeah, absolutely. So our our unforgiveness does something to block our the intimacy of our relationship with God. But it's I think it's more serious than even that, because in Matthew 18. Peter asked Jesus a question, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? Well, Peter knew the Pharisees said, if someone sinned against you twice, you had to forgive. After three times, you don't have to, probably shouldn't. But so when Peter was saying seven times, he was doubling the maximum of the Pharisees and adding one, looking for a pat on the back. Yep. And Jesus said, now 70 times seven, which is 490 times, which is an unlimited number. Because if you get to the 460s and you're still counting, pretty good chance you've not been forgiving. You're not going to keep track, right? True, true. And then Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and whenever he says that, you want to pay attention. Because mm -hmm. he's given us a glimpse as to how God wants things to work. And he gives us a story. It's a story that's very familiar to, to a lot of people. And I've read it hundreds of times, taught it before, uh, about 12, 14 years ago, I saw what it meant what it was really saying. In the story, there's a ruler who came to collect debts from slaves who owed him money. And the first one owed him 10,000 talents. Pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. Didn't ask for forgiveness, asked for time. But the ruler gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. Mm -hmm. That's a great story, but most people I know don't know what a talent was worth in that day. A talent was worth 60 mina, and a mina was three months' wages. So one talent was 180 months or 15 years' wages for one talent. Wow. This guy owed 10,000 of them. That's 150,000 years' worth of wages. Please, please, please give me time. <laughs> it, I don't think yeah. anybody anybody listening to this has a 150,000-year mortgage on your house, right? You're not getting that. Pretty sure. At, at 50 grand a year, median income in the U.S. is roughly that. That's 7.5 billion with a B dollars that the ruler forgave, which means his net worth came down by that much and the net worth of the slave came up by that much. So I'm thinking if I'm the slave, I'm going to be in a good mood. I'm throwing a party. It's all on me. This guy wasn't that way. He went and found a second slave, not someone under his authority, someone online with him under the same ruler's authority who owed him a hundred days wages. Same appeal. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. But the first slave choked the second slave and threw mm -hmm. him in prison. Yep. And the ruler summoned him and said, you wicked slave, not a compliment. 
I no, forgave no. you all that debt <laughs> because you had asked for mercy. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? Which is a legitimate question. Then the text says, and his Lord, little L, moved with anger, rightfully so, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe? Well, he didn't owe the money because if you forgive a debt, you legally cannot reclaim that debt. Oh. But he owed something. What did he owe? Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? Oh, yes. So he 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 owed mercy to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. Yeah. That's really and the, powerful. And, and the torture in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. I think all our guys have probably seen Braveheart in the past, right? The guy at the end of that movie. Oh, absolutely. So, so a horrific experience. Jesus leaves the parable, which is significant. Why? Because he's no longer telling a pretend story. He's addressing Peter's question. He says, my heavenly father will do the same to you, Peter, and you other guys, if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart. The same what? The heavenly father will do the same what? Well, in the context of Matthew 18, it can't mean anything but hand you over the torturers. Mm. It doesn't say the Father tortures us. He says he gives authority for it to happen. Well, I, that, that's not a real DTS kind of a concept. I get that. But that's what <laughs> but I have taught this at Chapel at DTS, and Dr. Bailey, who was president at the time, came up and said, You're right on board, you're right on with that, right? The tor torturer is also translated torment. And uh, it's used 18 times in the Greek New Testament. And maybe there's one exception, but except for that, all the other times it's used in connection with hell or demonic activity. Mm -hmm. You think the guy, the rich man, Lazarus story, the Lazarus, the beggar died the same day the rich man did. The beggar woke up in Abraham's yeah. bosom, a place of comfort. The rich man woke up in hell being in using the same word torment. God gives legal authority for us to be tormented by demonic forces when we don't forgive. And it's not because we've been wounded. It's because we haven't forgiven it. Well, in your book, you said this, and it was so powerful. I might title, subtitle this podcast after this quote. You said, you see, unforgiveness can be one of the most deceptive and deadly traps we fall into. And then you talk about torment. You said, it has been said that bitterness is the poison we drink, hoping someone else will die. Yeah. To me, that's torment. You want to explain yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, torment looks like... Bitterness, and depression, anxiety, all of the addictions, alcohol, drug, sex, uh, control issues, anger issues. We've literally seen people physically healed simply by forgiving. Well, I, I got to tell, tell you, I uh, resonate with this podcast or this book because there was an individual in my history who I really uh, was holding bitterness and resentment to. And it's really interesting at the same time that happened, I had a back injury. A year and a half later, I had surgery from that back injury. But when my bit and the surgery didn't work, but when the bitterness went away, when the bitterness and unforgiveness went away, because I entered this, this transactionary process or this, I forgave the guy. Yeah. The back pain has been gone ever since. And I yeah. am absolutely convinced that my back pain and surgery was a direct result of unforgiveness. I can't explain it, but I believe it. I, I we've seen it. We Tony coached one lady who had uh, who forgave, and coming in, she had a heart that was operating at twenty percent capacity. 
she was on a, uh, had a pacemaker and was on the transplant list. Wow. She went back the next week and they ran the test and then they ran them a second time. And the doctor came back and says, we don't understand what we're about to tell you, but your heart is now at 90% capacity and we're taking you off the transplant list. That that's done all illness, all pain, all physical issues are not tied to unforgiveness. But if they are, when the when the forgiveness happens, the tormentors leave. We had this has happened several so many stories about uh, marriage. And um, we had one couple come to us. Uh, he's a uh, an R and B uh, Grammy Award winner, right? And he had an encounter with Jesus uh, about three or four weeks before he came to us. And in the interim, he confessed to his wife of 14 years. He did not know how many women he had slept with. Wow. He would fly women to Blendon or wherever he was. He had a four, 11 year old son. His wife knew nothing about. And somehow he convinced her to come see us. He heard about us. So he came to us. And so as we begin to delve down into his life, oftentimes uh, uh, if a father is unfaithful, it not only wounds the wife, it wounds the children. And if the son is wounded and doesn't deal with it, oftentimes we will wounded people, wound people often in the way yeah. in which they're wounded. So the torment from his father was causing him to do what he hated in his father. And as we begin to coach him through to forgive his father, he's forgiving all these deep wounds and in the middle of it. He says, and my sister, I said, what did your dad do to your sister? He said, nothing. It's what my dad, my sister did to me. I said, well, let's just park that over here wow. for just a second. And let's, for, 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 let's finish forgiving dad. And then we bless dad. And then we I said, okay, let's talk about your sister. What did she do? He said, well, from the time I was six or seven to 11 or 12, she not only molested me, but she would bring her friends over and they would use me like a sex toy. Oh my gosh. Horrific deep wounds. And when she, when he forgave his sister Everything in this man's countenance shifted. And then Tony coached his wife to forgive her husband, also some deep things in her past, in her life. And they walked out reconciled arm in arm in one sitting, three hours, but it was one sitting. Wow. And, and that's our norm. We have a 95% breakthrough in one sitting. Uh, about three weeks later, we get a phone call from Japan. And it was this guy's producer who said, I don't know what you did with, but I, we have a, can we, and they flew from Japan to Atlanta for us to coach them and they got free. And now that first couple has a, has two ministries going in North Atlanta, one to men in, with sex addictions and then uh, to couples in crisis and forgiving forward is their base model. So Bruce, so you have a 95% breakthrough rate. You mm -hmm. sat in one setting, you healed. It sounds like mm -hmm. this artist, his wife and the whole mm -hmm. world that he lived in. Why is that? Is that what is the major point of breakthrough here? What is the thing that you guys do initially to kind of break down the walls? Well, we just their story, but we also answer the question, why? Uh, why does God discipline unforgiveness this harshly? Because I think it's the most harshly disciplined sin a, a believer can commit. Yes. And, the, and, 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 and I think the answer is because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. You can't get the gospel anywhere. It doesn't believe forgiveness. So, so Bruce, I can, I can hear our guys right now driving to work saying in yelling in their car, hold on a second. I'm the one that got screwed over. Uh -huh. I, didn't, I didn't sin. I'm uh -huh. the one that got sinned against. 
talk uh-huh. to those guys right now. <laughs> I am. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, here, what, what, what's the gospel, right? The gospel, Jesus said in Luke 24, thus it is written, the Christ should suffer and rise again on the third day so that, which is a purpose clause, which means the death and resurrection isn't the main goal. It's the means to main goal. The main goal was so that forgiveness, repentance for forgiveness of sins be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Mm. So what is the gospel? And I am answering the question you asked, but you've got to you've got to establish yes. the, what the gospel is first. I, I agree. In, in in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only did man lose a lot, but there was an impact to God. We lost the relationship we were designed to have with God. God lost the glory we were designed to give Him. Yes, He wasn't diminished, but He lost something. Yes, and He said, "I want my kids back, and I want my glory back." Mm. But there's a sin debt. It's more than one hundred fifty thousand years worth of wages. There's no way, there's 0% chance they can ever fix that. Jesus, is there something you're willing to do? Sure, Dad. I've got more than enough righteous. I can cover that. He comes to the planet, lives 33 to 30 years, stretched out his arms on the cross. He lives perfectly for that 33 and a third year. Hebrews 4.15. Yeah. And he says, it is finished. What was finished? The payment for the sin debt of the world. Absolutely right. 1 John 2.2. He, Jesus, is the satisfaction, full payment for our sins, but not for ours only, but also the sins of the world, which means people don't go to hell because they've not been forgiven. They go to hell because they've not repented to receive the benefit of the forgiveness because every sin everywhere, anywhere on the planet, any point in time in history was paid for by Jesus on the cross. It's finished. Nothing's left to pay. I love that. First Peter 3.18 is another great reference. This is... This is, I feel like I'm in a Bible study right now. Not oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is so good. Okay, so. Right, but so, but here, here's, yeah. the, here's the problem. Three days later, when God raised him from the dead, the father said, I agree. So when we say God may forgive them, but I won't, we're saying, dear Heavenly Father, I appreciate the fact that you place so high a value on the blood of your son that you received it as payment in full for the sins of the world against you. But what they did to me, but, but what, what, what they did to my family, I need something more than that. The blood oh. of your son is not enough to satisfy me. And so, what father would easily handle the crowning achievement of his son devalued by the ones he achieved it for? So, so Bruce, I think you and I <laughs> would both agree that, that some of the greatest problems with unforgiveness we see are people in the church who love Jesus. Yep. Why is that? What's, what's going on in the church? Why is that? Well, I think the church is full of unbelieving believers. I, yeah, I would agree with you 100%. All right. All right. We, we, we believe in the gospel. We're, we really like the fact that in the future, you know, future, we're going to get there in heaven. It's all going to be great. But we don't realize actually it impacts our life now. And our life is to reflect the gospel. Wow. And I think the reason the church is so impotent is that we have, we're not forgiving one another. And the watching world says, you're not smoking what you're selling. Oh, that's so you're, You want me to believe in the forgiveness of God, but you are not willing to forgive each other. And I have a life, like, I think the guys will catch this, uh, appreciate this. I have a life principle that I live by, and it's, I never want to eat barbecue prepared by a vegetarian. <laughs> hey, buddy, I am cooking two 19-pound ribeye roasts tonight for my leaders. Oh, man, so, I, did buddy, a, I did a brisket the other day for our, 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 oh, our board, right? Well, All right, so oh, well, it, you, you, but I, I don't want my barbecue prepared by a vegetarian because it won't no. turn out well. I want it by a big, heavy guy with barbecue sauce in his beard. I want to know that he has tasted the stuff, and he's just sharing with me the hey, overflow. Hey, And the world wants to see that in us, right? Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, they want to no, know that, that we've not only ingested the grace of God, but we've shared it with everyone around because the blood of Jesus clearly pays for the guy that you ask who's driving, who's about to wreck his car because he's hearing this. Yes. I'm, I'm saying, whatever, yeah, you were wounded, but Jesus already paid for that. So and if good. you demand more than that, what exactly would satisfy you? If the blood of Jesus isn't enough, what would satisfy you? And my follow-up question is, if you still don't want to forgive, are you enjoying the torment? Yeah, I don't think they're driving now, Bruce. I think they're pulled over on the side of the road weeping on some dirt, <laughs> dirt, red dirt road shoulder of the road there. So so this is so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, I mean, out of our 550 episodes we've recorded, this is already one of my favorites. So, okay. So now these guys have stopped driving. They're pulled over on the side of the road. They're weeping. They're cussing. They're banging on the steering wheel of their truck, telling me they don't they don't agree with what you're saying, or they need to fix it, or they're cursing the person they haven't forgiven because now they realize how how do I how do you how do we identify that we are being tormented by unforgiveness? Or what are the telltale signs that oh, bro, you have a you are involved in the sin of unforgiveness? What are some signs that you've seen? Well, as you quoted, bitterness is an issue. And that wasn't my quote. I think I stole it from R.T. Kendall. Uh, yeah, you quoted, you I, quoted somebody. I, I, I don't know who R.T. Kendall stole it from. So, uh, But uh, you, you see depression. You see anxiety. You see, if you're, if you're caught in an addiction, the addictions are all our ways, our attempts to satiate the torment. Mm. And it only works temporarily. It's, a, it's an anesthetic at best. Uh, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're dominated by the, the memory of the past, or there's things that are going on that your reaction to is, is, is not consistent with the event itself, right? So somebody bumps you and you just haul off and slam them because it's not the bump. That's the issue. It's the wound. The bump is hitting. That's the issue. And we find this to be true in marriage. If you've got a marriage conflict, We've coached hundreds of couples to freedom. A hundred percent of the time. I know we're not supposed to say a hundred percent. A hundred percent of the time. It's never not been that way with us. Now, there may be examples out there, but none we have seen. The wound that's causing the torment, that's driving the conflict in the relationship or the marriage, predate the couple ever meeting. Whoa. So, I mean, so in the context of 1 Peter 3, 7, do you think that's about forgiveness? Living uh, your wife as a weaker vessel so that your prayers may not be hindered? Do you think that that's a forgiveness passage? I don't think it's a necessarily forgiveness passage, but if we're not forgiving, that is one of the ways that we're not living with her in an understanding way. Absolutely. Uh, I, think, I think it's broader than that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I think when we don't, for, our prayers are hindered when we don't forgive. I think that's the, that's the, the Mark yeah. passage. And so, uh, and I, if we're if we're not loving our wives as Christ loved the church, then then God, God is not going to pour into us. So our our relationship with Him is impacted by the way we we reflect His life in the way we relate to others. And I think some guys would go, "Wait, hold on a second. God is is not going to pour into me if I don't forgive." Well, that doesn't sound like God. God's sure a does. giving gracious God. I agree mm -hmm. with you hundred percent. Walk us through that process, because I because what happens with unforgiveness? Because I've been there. You, you justify your sin, just like any mm -hmm. other kind of sin. So a guy right now may be justifying that, saying, I don't believe in your theology. God is always going to pour into me. He's a loving father. Why would he not pour into me? Well, enjoy your torment, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I agree. We, I, I'll give you a quick story. Maybe this will help. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how quick the story is, but anyway, uh, we were in Atlanta, in Dallas, working with a church and we ended up with a night off and we we're with a small group that had brought us in. And the guy said, we want the leader of this group said, we want you to just meet our group. It's just a, a we're going to grill, bur- you know, grill burgers and we're going to have uh, uh, people bring food and stuff. And we're just going to have, it's just a social time. And so I'm going, great. We want you to have the night. He said, we want you to have the night off. This is just connection. Awesome. We love that. Well, he came in the middle of the afternoon and said, I'm so sorry, Bruce, but somebody invited Larry. I said, okay. No, you don't understand. Larry's the most bitter man anyone in the world has ever met. He sucks the life out of every room that he walks into mm. with his bitterness. I said, okay, that's fine. I, you know, if God wants us to connect, we'll connect. I'm not going to, I'm going to, my, my assignment tonight is to connect with your group. So whatever happens. So Larry shows up and I greet with him, but I don't, I don't engage or whatever. And Larry yeah. comes and sits on the couch. He gets his food, sits on the couch and stays on the couch. Everybody's doing all this stuff. Larry stays on the couch. And then finally it's all winding down. Everybody leaves and Larry's still on the couch. And suddenly it's just me and Jim, the, the host at his house, his wife, Diane and, and Tony and another lady talking over the side about decorating stuff. Right. And so I sit down across from Larry. I said, so tell me your story. And Jim's Uh thinking, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Pandora's box. He'll tell you, he'll tell you. Right. And so, but not, he's sitting there. Okay. This must be an assignment. He'll say, tell me your story. Well, here's Larry's story. About 10 years prior, he was a part of a large church in the mid cities of of Dallas. And uh, the pastor of the church not only seduced his wife, but also his underage daughter as well as other women and underage girls. And he's the, 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 from my understanding, that pastor is still serving time in Huntsville prison. Oh, whoa. Okay. So Larry said, I hate that. And it cost him his marriage. His wife, the shame and stuff. She divorced him. And he said, I hate that. In fact, I was on my way to kill him and God supernaturally stopped me. I will never forgive him. And I said, Larry, I can't imagine. I And it, it shocks me and sickens me that somebody in my profession would do something yep. like that. It's yep. unacceptable. I'm so, yep. so sorry. And he says, but there's more. I said, okay. He goes, a year ago, my my son, who had served in Iraq in the war as a Marine, came home, was discharged, and uh, he was uh, had PTSD. And he had a negative encounter with a lieutenant in the police department of Dallas. It's just a, an encounter that went south. And my son, in his PTSD state believed that there's corruption in the Dallas police department and it's his job to ferret it out and reveal it all. So he's become a nuisance to not only that Lieutenant, but the police department. Well, he's also struggling. So he's supposed to meet a Bible study one night at the church and he calls his buddy and he tells his buddy, I just shot myself. Well, he shot himself in the shoulder. He's a Marine. That wasn't a suicide attempt. That was no. a cry for help. Yeah. Right. Well, the buddy gets off the phone, calls 911. 911 dispatches two uniform officers. But this lieutenant was off duty, but he had his, his radio. He heard it. He goes, I'll, I will respond too. They show up to this young man's apartment. They find him bleeding in the bathroom floor and they shot him six more times. What? Yeah. One guy watched the other, the lieutenant, the other guy shot him. And the and the cup the, the the police investigated and no build it, no charges. And Larry said, "I will never forgive the police." So I shared some of the stuff that I shared with you a little bit more, and I said, "Larry, you you need to forgive." And he goes, "I'm not going to do it." 
I said, are you enjoying your torment? And I said, and I'll point at the bedroom we were staying in. I said, we're good. You see that room, that door? I'm going to sleep well tonight. You haven't slept well in 12 years or 10 years. Why would you want another sleepless night? And so Larry made the difficult decision for him to forgive the pastor for all that he did, his wife, the police department, that lieutenant, the other officer, the one who wouldn't talk, and the overall, he forgave it all, specifically. And when he was done, his whole countenance was different. Everything. Jim will tell you that he's never seen a shift in someone's appearance like he saw with Larry. So Larry, show, wow. Larry shows up the next night at the teaching, and we let him share. And he looks at the pastor. He says, Gary, I, I want to I apologize to you. I've held you accountable for what somebody else did. And I want you to know I'm on your team, and I'm for you. And he says that today I, I went to a, a – I drove into a – 7 he's a contractor, right? And he said, I drove into a 7-Eleven to get some coffee. And uh, there was two police officers there. He said, before last night, I would have given gone to another 7-Eleven. Well, in Dallas, it's not a great big deal. It's about 87 feet there everywhere, right? Yeah. But but he he pulls on, parks the truck, walks up to the officers and says, officers, can I have a minute? I want to apologize to you. I've held you accountable for what men in your uniform did. And I want to wow. thank you for your service. And if it's okay with you, I want to buy you some coffee. Wow. And now he's a supporter on our team. He, he's... He, he calls me his little brother. I mean, we it's it's amazing what happens when we choose to forgive. So if you don't forgive, there's torment, period. It's a protocol. If you do forgive, there's freedom. That's your choice. Wow. Torment or That's freedom. So good. So men, are you in torment right now? Are are you in torment right now? Answer yourself that question. Is there somebody because of your unforgiveness you're being tormented by? So so okay, so you're on the couch with Larry. And you said he specifically forgave. Can you tell us how that played out? I mean, did he pray and specifically yeah. forgive while he's praying? Is that yeah. how you do that? It is. It is. It's a, it's, there's seven protocols. The first five are the real work meat of it. The last two are how you deal with all the memories and how you deal with new wounds. But the, 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 we call them the protocols. And it, the first thing we do is I just, I out loud, Right. With the heart, man believes and with the mouth, confession is made. Confess your sins to one another so that you will be healed. There is a this needs to be out loud, a de declaration. You can do it by yourself. It's better to do it with someone who can help you. But, you know, okay. uh, so the first protocol is thanking God for forgiving you. Recognizing the Matthew 18 story, we're the first servant, not the second one. We've been forgiven the insurmountable debt. So whatever anyone does to us pales in comparison to all God has forgiven us for. And so you thank God. That's an attitude of gratitude. Yes, then for you, sure. Then you repent of your sin of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a sin. And how do you deal with sin? You repent of it. God, I was wrong to dishonor the blood of Jesus by not forgiving. By demanding more payment to satisfy me than you did for, for, for what they did to you. So Bruce, just let me stop there. Is I'm sure. trying to. I'm, I've got your protocols right here in front of me. So thank God for forgiving you is the first protocol, and then is it comma and repent of your sin? No, that's that's the, that the second protocol. Okay, it's the second protocol, and you. If it depends on the no, the book has them. The first, the two and three uh, switched. We have found just in the ten years we've been doing this, twelve oh, years since we've been doing that, I that we it. have flipped it. We have flipped those it. two. I uh, see it. it. Yep. 
order is not totally critical, but I think it helped. It's help, it's, we find it's helpful to do it this order. Well, you know, it's interesting. I remember sitting in the Starbucks with my accountability partner when I was working through this forgiveness thing and this bitterness. And he said something that really got me started in this transaction of forgiveness. He said, your bitterness is your fault. Mm -hmm. Your bitterness is your fault. And Galatians, um, you might know it better than me, 4.9, it basically talks about being enslaved to those who we don't forgive. So I realized I was in bondage to a person who hurt me, and it would be the last person on the planet I'd ever want to be in bondage to. And this is another thing yeah. that people don't understand. That person literally owns you because you're of your lack of forgiveness. So, okay, so I'm going to thank God for forgiving me. I'm going to, number two, the second protocol is I'm going to repent of the sin of unforgiveness. So you're telling Larry's story. So what did Larry say here? Well, he says, God, I'm sorry that I did not accept your blood as payment for these, for what this man did. And I was wrong to not forgive. I've dishonored your blood, which you sent your son to, to, to shed for me. And, it, and he paid for my sin, but he also paid for theirs. That's mm -hmm. what you're basically saying with this, because the blood of Jesus covers all sin, including the ones that wound me. That is, the, that is so powerful. And, and, and the definition, people ask, well, what is your definition of forgiveness? Forgiveness is applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. It's applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. Now, that's not actually in the book because we, I was asked that at a, at a seminar one day. Okay, uh -huh. bottom line, right? It's there. So it'll be in the, when we do a new version sometime uh, in the future, we will add that in and it's in the new video curriculum, but that's, that, that's where it is. So we forgive, we, re, we, we thank God, we repent. And then we say, God, who do I need to forgive and for what? Yeah. Yeah. That's number three. That's who number three. I need, who do I need to forgive and what? I, I would assume that's an easy question to answer, no, but is it not? It's not in denial. Well, no, I, I think they're not in denial as much as they have it buried. Wow. And again, like I said earlier, the wound that is causing the torment that's driving the conflict in marriages predate the couple meeting, and it goes way back deep, often in their childhood. Wow. And so how do we know? Well, we ask the Holy Spirit. His job is to reveal these things to us. And I can't tell you how many times in the middle of coaching someone, we're dealing with what seems to be surface, all right, but we're trying to go deep, but we're still surface. And then suddenly there'll be a pause, like the uh, the story of the, the music guy before and my sister. He had not thought about that in years. He had buried that. But in this conversation with God, we're now, our pipe is cleaned by repentance. We now can hear God's voice clearly. He will tell us now, and, and there's a, you know, the, Who's the first person who made you feel that way? Well, it's this person. This is the first time, whatever. So God will reveal that to you. And so you ask him. You don't have to think too hard. You don't have to. It's it's you'll oftentimes start with the surface ones, but it's not the surface that you have to deal with. It's the roots and the God, the Holy Spirit will reveal the roots. So wow. and when he tells you, you go, OK. And so we often ask, OK, who's the first person, first name that you see? that God gives you. Okay, we'll go after that. And you deal with one person at a time. So you're now in the fourth protocol, which is forgive each offense from your heart. You know, it's interesting. A couple of weeks ago, we had a guy on our podcast from Arkansas named Todd, I'm sorry, Ted Shimmer. Ted wrote a book called The Freedom Fight. It's right here. Uh, okay. It is the best book I've ever personally read on pornography addiction. 
And he has six routes he identifies. Guys, you need to listen to this podcast if you haven't done it yet. And one of those routes is past trauma. And I bet when I bring him back on the podcast, he will say that trauma resulted in unforgiveness mm -hmm. as a root cause, because that's what you're saying. That's what we're seeing. And uh, I, I would assume that's what he would say. Yeah. Well, we had a guy that came to a, a couple that came to us similar to that other couple. Uh, she had just caught him with a 25 plus hour a week habit plus multiple affairs. And she thought the marriage was perfect. And she said, don't ever touch me again, but I'm not divorcing you because I'm not letting my kids go through that. So wow. when, and he had a similar situation where his sister had molested him and that explained the near incestuous relation. I mean, he had an affair with his best friend's wife and his wife's best friend. Right. So this was, he was, he was a full blown sex addict. Yeah, for sure. And, and when he forgave and he'd been to the, he'd been to the recovery programs and all those 12 steps and stuff. But when he forgave, his addiction went away. That is unbelievable. Wow. And he, and he would tell you that today. He, it, it set him free. So there, I would think that it would, it's the first thing I would go after. It's yeah. the first thing I go after. Because I don't think you can abide effectively if you've got torment in your heart. So well, you know, let's go after that. And it's interesting. I've been in ministry 35 years, 33 years now. And I deal with people that are, I would call them a victim mentality. They're always sick. They're always hurt. They've always got a pain. They're always suffering. And I'm sitting here right now having an epiphany thinking they are probably people who are bitter and need to be set free from unforgiveness. They're probably people who are just flat out in torment. Yep. Man. So, okay. So it so gets simple, doesn't it? It really does. It's bringing it. I mean, and I think there are guys listening right now going, that is what's wrong with me. Yeah. You know, I struggled with another, uh, another in 2000, I don't know, 16 or so I was wrestling with something. I knew something was wrong in me. And I actually went to a, a pastor who's who, who like you is a, a forgiveness and bondage kind of breaker guy. And it was really interesting. I realized I had held uh, bitterness towards a parent from something mm -hmm. that happened when I was eight years old. And yep. I, I realized once I was able to go to the fourth protocol, it set me free of that. And I, and there was definitely a, a release uh, in my spirit for sure. So the fourth protocol is forgive. And then I want you to walk us through this because there's three steps to this. Forgive each offense from your heart. So again, I'm confess, I'm forgiving. I'm speaking this out loud in front of somebody else. I am confessing this i'm speaking this forgiveness to to god with with a person next to me and yeah, i'm doing preferably. three i'm doing you can do it you can do it you can do it alone but it's better with someone yes, yes. so I, I i'm doing it from my heart because that's where you're wounded right you don't do yes. it from your head right if it doesn't come to your heart you know you're in your heart when your voice slows your voice drops and you're you're just more you're slower that, yes that, your head is fast and hot low so you've got that when you're from your it's from the areas in which you're wounded you're pulling these arrows out that are sticking there from your the, the core of who you are i forgive my dad for not showing up at all my ball my ball games for telling me i would never be good enough for cheating on my mom for uh for whatever you want to list with dad or or if it's mom for for telling me i would never make it for disrespecting me as a young man for whatever, or my ex-wife for cheating on me. But the specific, you, you don't have to have every single one. You could cluster them instead of, you know, my dad didn't show up at my ball game on September 4th and then whatever. No, all yeah. the times, right. 
but you want to you want to you want to know in your own heart what is in the uh the contract right yeah. we, we talked about the transaction on a house when you when you buy a house you don't have to put all the outlets in the third bedroom on the con- contract because you know they are there but if the refrigerator is a question mark you want to make sure you exclude or, or include that so make sure you know what you're forgiving and just forgive each one and it can take a while and pause wow. take your time don't let silence be an enemy silence is a friend because when we're silent we can hear from the spirit uh and so forgive and when when he says you're done you're done because he's controlling this he's rule he's guiding all of this you say i i declare this person is no longer in my debt I've transferred their debt to the cross where Jesus paid it. Wow. So, so for the fourth protocol, I'm just for these, I'm just going to, I'm going to lay this out for the guys. The fourth protocol is forgive each offense from your heart. So for protocol four a would be basically saying, Lord, I choose to forgive blank from my heart for these things. Right. Protocol four B would be Lord. Is there anything else I need to forgive blank for wait in silence Mm -hmm. for God to respond Protocol 4C is before God, before you, Lord, I declare that blank is no longer in my debt, and I claim the blood of Jesus. So that is the step, that is the protocol. So that's probably the, from what you're sharing. That's the forgiveness protocol. That's what you're, when you're acting, the others are getting you in a, in a, you're dealing with your own sin, your whatever, but the forgiveness happens in this one, but then you want to validate it. So that's the transactionary protocol, number four. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay. This is, this is so good. I'm, this is, man, this is powerful. So I have forgiven. I've went through that protocol four, and now this is, so I'm going to stop here and say this because in my experiences with unforgiveness, so I don't have, now that I have this tool in my arsenal, everything's going to change. But in the past, what I've done is I've said, okay, I'm going to go to Luke chapter six, verse 27 to 36, or maybe it's 26 to 37. I'm going to pray blessings over the people who have wounded me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, or I'm just going to pray for them. And the prayers start off like curse them, send them to hell, let them burn. Yeah. You know? yeah I mean, if I'm being <laughs> honest, I mean, they have cuss words. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we got, we get familiar with David's imprecatory prayers, right? Oh, I mean, you Psalms, know it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah baby. So, but God I, make I, my, make my enemy's wife, a widow and her, his children make orphans. Yeah, suffer, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick yeah, of yeah. God. Sick of Not <laughs> really the gospel. Not really the gospel. Uh, hey, trust me. I know it's old Testament, man. No. Okay. So, and then I've realized that as I move through that, uh, through that forgiveness, when I get to a point where I'm praying God's blessing on this person and I truly want God to bless them, I go, man, I've crossed over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really have forgiven them. And so, so transaction or pr- protocol number five is what? Ask God to bless them and look for ways to bless them when possible. Oh, heaping burning coals. Romans 12. Yeah. Yeah, oh. but you, you do you understand what that means? The, the Romans twelve thing. Well, I want you to explain it. Yeah, it, in the <laughs> Roman, it, it's not like you know. I used to read it, and go, okay, this is good. I'll do good to them, then I'll get my uh, my s'more stuff. My revenge. Back. I'll still get my store s'more stuff or my hot dog, and I'll wait. And yeah, why does my back still hurt? Why does my right, back still hurt? Right, and I'll, I'll be cooking my stuff as they burn. Yay, go, uh, God, get yeah, a burn. No, no, no. Up. That that's not what this says. What, yeah. In the Roman culture, they had a similar concept to the Hebrew culture, which was sackcloth and ashes, right? But in the Roman culture, rather than just putting on sack sacks and throwing dust in the air, 
they would take a platter and they would put a bowl of burning coals on top of it. And then they would put that on their head and they would walk around the community saying, I deserve to burn for what I did. It literally is a sign of repentance. Oh, so when we do good to someone, it's a blessing of God that leads us to repentance, right? It's a kindness of God, the blessing of God that leads us to repentance. While we were still enemies, Christ blessed us with the greatest blessing of all the death of his son. So in blessing, and, 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 and when someone has wounded us and they know they wounded us, and we return, we don't return it for evil. We turn it with good. We bless them. We do good for them. We give them something to drink when they're thirsty or, or, and something to eat when they're hungry. It messes with their head and we get out of the way so God can bring them to repentance. Wow. So, so I just think that is, to me, that is such a, that's almost the fruit of forgiveness, right? If you not, cannot bless someone, you've not forgiven them. Yeah, I agree. That is so good. I, and for me, that, that was the fruit of knowing I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. So, yep. so let's walk through protocol number six. Now, no, okay. number six is commit to not remember their offense. I'm assuming you're quoting Jeremiah 31, 34, uh, where God says to people, I will remember your sins no more. Is that where you're getting that? Uh, it's that in other places, but yes. I mean, okay. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, you know, their sins, I will remember them no more. And so uh -huh. which I may be quoting Jeremiah. Uh, basically, you can't choose to forget something. You can choose not to remember it. Okay. In, order, in order to forget something, you'd have to focus on the thing you're forgetting. You'll never forget that which you're focusing on, right? True so, statement. But we can choose what to do with the memory. Uh, well, a silly example I give, our last name is pronounced Hebel. Hebel. And so if I get a telemarketer call, it doesn't happen anymore because I don't pick up the home phone anymore. But uh, when, when a telemarketer would call, they'd say, is Mr. Hebel there? And I would know it's a telemarketer. Yes. And so I would say, I'm not, I'm sorry, there's no one here by that name. And I'd hang up because I, just because someone calls me, I doesn't mean I have to engage in the conversation. Correct. Just because the enemy pushes the play on the DVR doesn't mean I can't push stop. Mm. And, the, and so I specifically remember forgiving that. See, it happened. If you remember it, it's, it happened. But when, it, when the memory comes, I, I remember I forgave that. I was there with John when he was there or with Sue or whatever. I, I'm, I, I forgave it. And God, thank you for the freedom. Because what we did say, when we bless, we always ask, how's your heart? There's a change. There, the torment leaves. It's trans, it is transformative. Wow. So I thank you for the freedom. Thank you. I could breathe again. Thank you that I, the weight is off of my shoulder. Thank you that that dead body that was hanging on me is gone. Thank you that I could uh, for one little girl said my heart's fluffy. And as a guy, we don't know what that means, but I yeah. think it's good. Right. Uh, one lady <laughs> said I came in with, and I felt like I had boulders in my heart. Now those boulders feel like cotton candy. So wow. thank you for whatever the free, thank you for that. And God, would you bless them again? They evidently need blessing. Well, if every time the enemy brings the memory, cause God's not bringing it up and neither are you. It's God's enemy. It's Satan, right? Yep. Every time he brings it up, you turn it into praise and blessing He's eventually going to leave you alone. Yes. He'll try one other thing, though. He'll say, yeah, but you didn't forgive this. <laughs> oh, you forgot one. Yeah. It was, thank you very much. I forgot all about that. From my heart, I choose to forgive this person for this thing. I transfer the debt to the cross. And God, would you bless that person real good? Now, Satan, anything else you want to remind me of? Now we're good. We're mm. good. He'll leave you alone. Well, and then that comes back to blessing the person you forgive again. Yep. And pray. And, and I love this one. Pray for reconciliation. Can you explain that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we didn't get 
one mistake many people make is think that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. They're not. Yes, correct. Reconciliation requires actions on two parties. It's basically two parties in uh, with animus coming back into harmony. So the person who's, there's two parties, one who's been wounded, one who's done the wounding. And when we imagine a table, a five-top table, and you've got the Father, Son, the Spirit sitting there, we call it the table of reconciliation. The wounded party brings forgiveness. Now, forgiveness doesn't say what they did was okay. It says what they did was wrong. Mm -hmm. But Jesus paid for it. So we come to the table. The person who's done the wounding, what they bring to the table is repentance. And repentance isn't changing your behavior; it's changing your mind. Metanoia to change your mind. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. I, I used to th I, I used to think what I did was okay, or maybe I wasn't even thinking. Now I know what I did was wrong. What can I do to make it right? At which this person who's already sitting at the table says, "Thank you very much, but our big brother Jesus has already paid for it." Mm. Now God always calls the wounded party to the table first because He doesn't want our forgiveness based upon their repentance. Ah, that's powerful. Say that again. God always calls the wounded party to the table first because he doesn't want our forgiveness based upon their repentance. It has to be based upon the cross of Jesus. Powerful. So whether they repent or not, you can still forgive and be free. See, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, but not all come to repentance. True. So he's forgiven everyone, but he's not reconciled with everyone. And so we can be reconciled with the Father sitting at the table eating pretty amazing appetizers without calories, evidently, because it's all from heaven. And 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 this person, God, the Holy Spirit, will send somebody after one. So that's why we say, don't even go tell them. Don't go tell them, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. Because if they haven't for, repented, they'll reject your forgiveness. It's absolutely another, right. That is it's, absolutely it's, right. It's, it's it's a new wound you have to forgive. Yeah, you got to forgive all over again, which leads it, us well, to— No, not yeah. all over again. You forgive a new wound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, that's significant. I'm glad you brought that up, because if that—let's say— Someone has uh, someone has consistently put me down, and I forgive them for all the times they put me down, and I'm free and I'm walking free. Tomorrow we see them; they put me down. Is that is that the old wounds? Have I, that wounded me? Am I have I not forgiven? I for, all the other stuff is done. That that transaction is done. It's a new wound, so I forgive yep. for the new wound. Yes, that's powerful. That's a great statement. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, yeah. that's really good. So the seventh and final protocol. <laughs> I love this. Walk one. us, walk us through this one. Make pre-forgiveness a lifestyle. Yes. In other words, you realize that everything that ever happens to you at any point in time in history has already been paid for by Jesus. And so no matter what happens, the choice has already been made. It's forgiven. Interesting. In he in Ephesians 1, it says, before the foundation of the world, God chose us to forgive. Mm -hmm. God chose to forgive us. Let me say that again. Before the foundation of the world, God chose to forgive us. So he didn't wait for us to repent. He didn't even wait for us to sin. He didn't wait for us to be born. He made the decision ahead of time. So we just say, pre -forgive, make pre-forgiveness a lifestyle. Uh, everything has already been paid for. A friend of mine, Mike Wells, used to say, it's a sin to be offended. I've heard that before. Yeah. So if you, if, and God will let you be offended till you can't be offended anymore. So if you don't want to be offended, stop being offended. Yep. Because you're dead, right? Yep. Uh, I jokingly said, uh, don't do this. Just imagine this. What I'm about to suggest, don't actually do it because it will get you in trouble. Yeah. But next time you hear about a funeral, go to the viewing. 
and without anyone seeing you, go up to the casket and take a pin and poke the corpse. And whatever the corpse does in response to you poking it is what you get to do next time somebody wounds you. Uh... <laughs> because I have died and my life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, I, I, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now, live, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself for me. So whatever happens to me actually happens to Jesus. It's already paid for. I'm good. Oh, Galatians 2.20, man. I love it. So how do our guys, <laughs> I mean, this, this is a outstanding material. I'm excited about your video series. How do church leaders, how do guys, how do people get a hold of your stuff? Well, best way to do it is go to forgivingforward.com, forgivingforward.com. The book is on Amazon and you can get it there. I prefer, I would prefer that you get it from us because Amazon has enough money. So, yeah. uh, so, and we, and they, you know, they take their part and we, the minute it's a non, we have a nonprofit and that's what we do. So forgivingforward.com, you can order the book. You actually, if you go to the website, there is a get the guide, which is the product. You can download the seven protocols. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, it's, just free to you. So any, any guys go to forgiveforward.com, just scroll down, say, get the guide. And it's actually the protocols. Uh, you can download that yours. You can order the new DVD, which is a eight part series. Uh, there's seven actual teaching. And the, the eighth part is the uh, 12 frequently asked questions that Tony and I answer. So it's literally dropping this week. So wow. uh, uh, it's, it's, and it's professionally done. We, some Emmy award winners actually worked with on us. And so we're really excited about it. We had a series before it's, it's a, it, we've just revised it. We've updated it a lot. I've learned a lot in the last 12 years to teach. And so it's out there on DVD. Now at the end of this week, it should be on teachable. You can actually take the course online from our website uh, and download the study guide that way, or you can get the hard copies yourself. Uh, there's other material there, but forgivingforward.com. And if you want us to come to your church, there's a there's a link on the la- website for that as well. Uh, we'll actually put this podcast with your permission up up on our uh, a link to it on our website website Absolutely. as well. So we're we we're just trying to get this message out there. I mean, we're actually the book is almost in Russian. Uh, it's actually we haven't printed it yet. We, it's it's done. Yeah, five it's languages: Hebrew, Arabic, Spanish, Korean, and now Russian. And uh, wow. they want they we've been invited to go to Belarus uh, in November, and because uh, there's a little bit of wounding uh, in that country, and so we're uh, yeah. So go to forgivingforward.com. We'd love to come to your church, teach a four part seminar, or, or just teach or train your leaders. We have a second level of coaching of our ministry called our coaching intensive, which trains people how to coach the way we coach. And so all Man, that information is so, online. So powerful. Thanks, guys. Hey, let's get our boots on the ground, guys. What are you going to do today? Because what have you heard? And for me, it's so obvious and clear. You need to go to the website, forgivingforward.com. You need to get the guide, which is the seven protocols. I've written them down. I'll include those also in our uh, equipping blast this week that you'll get. This is powerful stuff, Bruce. Thanks so much for coming on our show. Glad to be here. Appreciate appreciate what you guys are doing. Oh, man. So, man, make sure you head on over to manarena.org. Pick up your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. Sign up to join our program by clicking the Join Our Program button. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. Work through the seven protocols and be a man. 
You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.